So Acts chapter number 26 is where we're going to be. This is a, a sad verse. A lot of the Bible is joyous and happy, and, but this is a, it is a sad verse. Here's what it says. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Let's pray as we look at this verse for the next few moments. Lord, we're thankful. We're privileged for the opportunity to be here. We're thankful that we have uh, copies of the Word of God in our language and that it can, the, the Word of God can be easily understood. I'm thankful for the preaching of your Word. Thank you that Gospel Baptist Church keeps the preaching of the Bible the main thing. Help us as we look in this verse the next few moments. Give us insight and speak to the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter number 26, there's a backstory that's been going on for the last few chapters, and we find that Paul has been taken captive. He's a prisoner. He was in Jerusalem, and the, the Jewish folks at that time did not like that he was teaching Greeks and that he was teaching Gentiles in the temple. They said, he's teaching everybody. That's against our laws. That's against our, our customs. And so they took him into captivity, and they, they bound him in shackles and in chains, and he finds himself uh, at council meetings, and he, and he finds himself uh, bounced around from leader to leader, and he ends up here in front of King Agrippa. King Agrippa. And to a preacher, what a wonderful place it is to be before a king. What a unique opportunity. It, it's a position that many Christians would love to be in. A position where, wow, we get to share the gospel with one of the main people in government. Somebody that could make some real change, a real difference. Obviously, we're jealous of his, his opportunity, maybe not so jealous of his shackles that he's standing there awaiting his sentence. But he has a wonderful opportunity that rarely comes by anyone, by any Christian, especially a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a very unique opportunity. And of course, Paul does not waste this opportunity, as we see earlier in the chapter. I think we ought to earnestly pray that the gospel gets to people of power in our country. I think that ought to be at the top of our prayer list. People that we often pray that God would change this country. We pray for a bunch of superficial things without getting to the fact of the matter. That if the gospel got to the people that were in leadership and Jesus Christ was able to change their life, that things would really begin to change. I don't want a bunch of superficial change. I want people to be changed from the inside out. I want our president and I want our vice president. As much as maybe I don't agree with their policies and their procedures, I want to see them saved. And you should want to see them saved as well. And it should be one of our top priorities that we pray when we pray for the folks in leadership, that we pray for their salvation. I hope you pray for our president and vice president right now as much as you prayed for President Trump. What? <laughs> you want me to repeat that? I hope you pray as much for our president and vice president right now as much as you prayed for President Trump. That's a hard thing to do, but I'm praying that they get saved. You say, oh, that'll never happen. God's pretty big. He can make things happen. And would not God get a whole lot of glory if the people up there in power really got a good dose of Jesus 
and things would begin to change miraculously. And of course, that's what Paul the Apostle is thinking. By the way, I don't think he's, he's, he's doing anything special because it's the king. This is something that he had done on a regular basis. I think he would preach this same way to the king as he does to the peasant. We get this idea that sometimes people are more important that they, that they are, are because they are elevated in positions of power that somehow they're more valuable. They are not more valuable. Value is not associated with, with who you are and how much money you have in your bank account or how much power or how much authority you have over other people. Value has to do with what Jesus Christ has deemed you worthy or not. And Paul, he did not just offer this salvation and to, to the king, but he offered it to everybody. And so what he did, this was a pattern that he had had, had for his, this was his lifestyle. And so when he comes before the king, it was natural that he would simply preach the gospel like he had preached it hundreds, maybe thousands of times before. Every once in a while, there are unique opportunities where preachers get to stand before kings or people of power. Towards the end of last year, President Trump's brother, President Trump's brother, uh, Robert Trump, I believe is his name, he passed away in, in August, I believe it was. And what many people didn't know, I didn't know either, was that Clarence Sexton, who is the pastor of Temple Baptist Church, also um, the president of Crown College, which is there at the church, Robert Trump had become good friends with Clarence Sexton, and they actually watched a lot of their services live stream. Pretty amazing. And, and when Robert Trump passed away, Robert Trump's wife called Clarence Sexton and said, I want you to come and speak at the funeral of my husband. Well, guess who is at the funeral of Robert Trump? Donald Trump and his wife and their family. What a unique opportunity. I, I bet in a million years, Clarence Sexton never thought that he would be standing before the President of the United States, which to us, that's almost like King, the President of the United States. And, and what the wife told Clarence Sexton was that you can say anything that you want. Oh, for a preacher, he's going to say it anyways. <laughs> but to a preacher, just to have free permission, that's awesome. That's wonderful. And of course, he could have said anything. But what did he say? He talked about how Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again, and that Jesus Christ can change your life, and the relationship that you can have in Jesus Christ is much sweeter than anything that this world has to offer. He did not hold back. A unique opportunity that doesn't come by very much. But occasionally it does. In this example with Paul the Apostle, is just that. Paul, Paul's main goal was to share the gospel. That was his main goal. Why was it his main goal? Would Paul have preached the gospel to King Agrippa if he would had, have known what Agrippa was going to say? If Paul, Paul had already known that Agrippa was going to reject the message of Jesus Christ, would he have still preached the gospel? We would say, yes, absolutely, 100% he would. Why? Because he was commanded to. It wasn't an option. It's not about if King Agrippa or those listening responded or not. 
It was about that he had an obligation to Jesus Christ. Mark 16, 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, whether they are the king or whether they are a peasant. Preach the gospel to every creature. It didn't say, well, if they'll believe or if they won't. Sometimes you have this idea, oh, that person can never get saved. What kind of faith is that? That our president or vice president, they can never get saved. What kind of faith is that? Preach the gospel if you have opportunity. With every breath you have, don't waste it on all the bunch of other stuff that we talk about. How about we use it to spread the gospel about what Jesus Christ has done and how he can change lives? You say, well, Mark 16, 15, yes, and, and uh, Matthew 28, those were, those were passages given to the disciples. They were given to this. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Many people, they don't think that they are. They don't lump themselves into that category. But we are disciples of Jesus Christ if we believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. A disciple is just a follower. It's somebody who takes on somebody else's philosophies and ideas and implements them and takes them on and carries them in their life. And that's what we are trying to do as Bible-believing Christians is be disciples of Jesus Christ and say, well, that was only for them. No, that was for you. That was for me. This was a command by Jesus. It was not just a suggestion. People ought to stop taking the Bible as a book of suggestions and start taking it as a book of commands from the mouth of God to us. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. You say, well, I don't like that. That's tough stuff. It's what the book says. <laughs> Share the gospel. People say, well, I don't, I'm not a very good talker. I'm not a very good speaker. Oh, is there a caveat in there somewhere that I didn't find? No, absolutely not. Preach the gospel. You say, well, I don't know a whole lot. That's not a very good excuse. That's a good excuse for about this much. Get in the book and learn something then. You don't have to tell them, you don't have to tell them every theological debate that's out there. You don't have to, have to go and, and have to explain, did Adam have a belly button or not? I don't know if he did. I have no idea. How about we talk about Jesus? And what Jesus has done, when everybody tries to get off on all these arguments, they try to get on these arguments, uh, big theological debates about little things that are pretty insignificant, get them off that and get them back onto Jesus Christ died for their sins. And they can have their sins forgiven. You don't really, I mean, there's a lot of other good stuff to know, but if you're going to know anything, know the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm not the preacher. It's not just for the preacher. We are all preachers of the gospel. It's not just for a pastor. Oh, that's not my spiritual gift. Now we're trying to get real spiritual. This command is for every believer. If you are not actively sharing the gospel, you are not right with God. That's tough stuff to hear, but it's the truth. If you and I are not actively sharing the gospel, we are not right with God because we are not fulfilling some of his commandments. Share the gospel as we have an opportunity. You say, you say well, well, my story isn't very good. It's not like Paul the Apostle. Saving a soul from hell is a great story. And by the way, take yourself out of the picture. It's not about you. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of, I, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. You are really not part of the equation. You are just the avenue that God has chosen to share the message of Jesus Christ with other people. 
share the gospel was his number one priority. Paul, he says in, uh, in uh, this whole chapter here, he begins to share his testimony, and he sums it up with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, he talks, uh, up until verse 9, he talks about before he was saved and how that he had grown up a real religious person, and he had, he had tried to keep the law, and he was a great Pharisee, but he was lost without Christ. He goes on and says how, how Jesus Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus and told him that he had a plan and a purpose for his life. And then Paul says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. That means he repented of his ways, and in faith he trusted Christ, and he submitted to Jesus Christ's plan for his life. And then he says that his life completely changed, and that he is now preaching that people should repent and turn to God. Repent and turn to God and do works, meet for repentance. And then he says in verse 23 that, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto, unto the people and to the Gentiles. So he gives this testimony about Christ had changed his life and then he applies the gospel to it. And it was not because he decided to change, not, not, not because it's not because of anything he did, but it's summed up because Jesus, he suffered, he died, he was buried, and that he rose again and he openly, freely gave that message to King Agrippa. His number one goal was to preach the gospel. He could have said anything he wanted to. In the first verse, um, in the first verse, it says, "Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself." Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. He could say anything he wanted to say. Did he try to squirm out of being in these shackles? Did he try to say? Did he try to say, you know, if you just let me go, I'll, I'll live a quiet and peaceable life? No. He held nothing back. He preached the gospel. He preached the gospel. It was his main purpose. What's our main purpose here at Gospel Baptist Church? Preach the gospel. Edify the saints. Preach the gospel. I mean, it's on our church sign for crying out loud. We believe in making the gospel the center of everything that goes on here. If our bus ministry turns into just giving kids candy and entertaining them for an hour, two hours a week, we ought to shut it down. We're wasting our time. If our, if, if, if our youth group turns into just being a safe place for kids to get away from the troubles of this world, and it's not about preaching the gospel, let's shut it down and close it down. If our missions program is just about feeding people and giving people water, those are good things, don't get me wrong, it's just about feeding people and, and giving people water, let's shut it down. If, if your jail ministry, Brother Steve, ends up being about just, just uh, uh, teaching, the, teaching the inmates how to have good character, Let's shut it down. Many churches all around our country, they're just making people comfortable as they're on their way to hell. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by God's grace, Gospel Baptist Church will keep it that way. This ought not to just be a social club where we can gather together. you got your little communities that we all live in that we can do that. This is not for that. This is for... 
the preaching of the gospel. And this is an army that is going out into the community and sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ with everybody that we can. Preaching the gospel is number one. Paul made it his number one priority. But because it was commanded by Jesus Christ. But not only that, I don't believe. I believe that he preached the gospel to King Agrippa to persuade him, to persuade him. Paul was fighting for a man's soul. He was fighting for a man's soul. A man's life was hanging in the balance right before Paul. And he did everything that he could. If anything could have persuaded King Agrippa, don't you think it would have been the testimony of Paul and him preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. He was fighting for this man's soul, for his eternal destiny. Paul's concern, of course, was with every believer. He says in verse 29, as he closes his thoughts, he says, And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am. So not only King Agrippa, not only, oh, if we get this one guy in power, and he gets saved, we can make change. He was caring about every soul that was listening to him because their life was hanging in the balance of either heaven or hell. Are you trying to persuade anybody? Are you trying to persuade anybody? If there was a place in our local area, maybe, maybe a business or, or, or a park or some organization where, where people would go in there and, and it was notorious for people getting captured and, and kidnapped and, 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 uh, and tortured, would we not warn everybody we could in our area? Would we not go on Facebook and put a community alert out and say, please, whatever you, don't, whatever you do, don't go to this business or this organization or this place. Bad things will happen to you if you go there. There's people there that are trying to do you harm. And there's pain that's going to be caused. If you go there, we would do everything we could to make sure that that place gets shut down. To make sure that the evil thing that's going on there stops. And we would warn every single person that we could not to go there. But yet, many of us, we sit in our homes with the gospel message hid as people slip off into eternity one by one by one. How much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them about Jesus Christ? How much do you have to hate somebody? People, they say, well, I can't imagine that God would send anybody to hell. People go to hell on their own choice. Never misunderstand that. People go to hell on their own choice. And if you go to hell, it's because you chose not to accept the sacrifice and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. King Agrippa, if he went to hell, which no evidence shows that he did, that he, he got saved, he's going there because he chose to. Preach the gospel, not only because we're commanded, but preach the gospel because people's souls are depending on it. Have care for your fellow neighbor. We also see King Agrippa's response, as we've already read. Then Agrippa, after Paul had poured out his heart to him, as, 
after Paul had, had held nothing back, we see King Agrippa's response. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. The word almost, it means not quite. Means very nearly. Means to fall short of the mark. To barely miss your target. Almost. And a lot of times we like to use this word almost to make, to make uh, our failures seem like victory. Or that we really weren't that bad off. We like to say uh, um, in sports, we only lost the game by a couple points. When I played uh, bad, when I was on the team at, at Crown College, uh, we played Pensacola Christian College. Many of you know them from the uh, Abeka curriculum that many Christian schools use, and they they're they're a pretty they were a, a lot bigger school, about three times as big as we were. And we would play them, and I and I caught myself often t- telling people, "We only lost by two points. We almost won." What does that even mean? You still lost. They're trying to make me feel better. Oh yeah, they were so big school, and we were, and only two point. We lost. We lost. Trying to make ourselves feel better, like it was so close. Many parents they have they have uh, instructions for their children that they must get good grades, that maybe they must get all A's. And when you bring your report card home, and there's not an A on there, it's a B. It's an 89. Dad, Dad, I was close. It was, it was almost. I was almost there. Trying to really make yourself feel better and, and seem better in the light of the circumstances. Almost, almost. Our math teacher in, in high school, we would, when we would do math problems, we would get very close to the answer. That was close. We'd get very close. He says, if I put you in a rocket and I launched you to the moon and you didn't make it, you were close, how would that do you? It doesn't matter if you were off by this much or you were off by hundreds and thousands of miles. You still missed the moon and you still died. Okay, I get it. Close doesn't cut it. Almost doesn't cut it. The cliche phrase, close only matters in horseshoes and hand grenades. However, in the context of this passage here, we're not talking about children's games. We're not talking about grades. We're not talking about funny little stories. We're talking about a man's soul that was lost for eternity because he was this close to accepting the message that had been presented him. A man's soul was almost persuaded, but yet it was lost for eternity. He came so close, but he was an eternity away. How about you? How close are you? King Agrippa knew what it meant to be a Christian when he said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul understood what that word Christian meant. He knew what it encompassed. Today in our society, we have a very skewed view about what Christianity really is. Say, how do you know that? I talk to people. I get out there in the community. I try to talk to, to, to people that I run into. I talk to folks on door to door when we make bus calls. They have a a very skewed view about what Christianity really is. They think Christianity is going to church or that it's something you inherited because your parents went to church. A lot of Catholics, they fall into that same category where they say, well, I'm a Catholic, but they have not been to Mass in however many years. They're not real Catholics. And there's a lot of people who aren't real Christians that think just because I carry a Bible or that I read my Bible, or some people, I've had some, some people roll up their sleeves 
and they show me a tattoo of a cross with a Bible verse and say, yeah, I'm a Christian, as if that tattoo is what makes them a Christian. Or, or, or people have shown me cross necklaces that they wear that they say, yes, oh yes, see, see, I'm a Christian. Or they have a bumper sticker that says Jesus with a little Jesus fish on it. How deceived are people from what the true meaning of a Christian is? King Agrippa knew what Paul was telling him about being a Christian. He knew. What makes a person a Christian is whether or not they have repented of their sins, realized their need for a Savior, and trusted Christ, and placed their faith and trust in Him. Acts 20.21 says, Repentance towards God and a faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what a true Christian is. We've seen that King Agrippa, he was almost persuaded, but, but what about some others? What about other people in Scripture who fall right in the same category as King Agrippa? Let's think about Judas for a moment. Judas, somebody that was so close, but yet so far. Judas, he was baptized like all the other disciples. Judas here, I believe, is a, he's a picture of an unsaved church member. An unsaved church member. Maybe you this morning. He was highly respected. He was highly trusted by his fellow disciples and by those who surrounded him. They trusted him so much that they gave him the money to carry. That would be pretty trusted. You give your money to the person you can trust the most. Judas had everyone deceived. There's people, no doubt in my mind, there are people that are amongst us that are deceiving us. They're Judases. Jesus says in, in John 6, 70, he says, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil. If there's one in Jesus' group, don't you think there'd be at least one in our group? Judas, the unsaved church member, Felix, Felix, he's the example of a procrastinator. He's the person who says, I'm going to wait. Someday I'll get to it. Someday I'll be saved. Come back and see me in a little while. He says in Acts 24, verse 24 and 25, And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which, which was a Jewess, and he sent for Paul and heard of him concerning the faith, and he reasoned righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Felix was convicted of the Holy Spirit, but resisted the Holy Spirit's calling. He resisted it. And so many people hear the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be saved, but turn it down every single time. That was me until I became 18 years old. Finally, I said, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow never comes. If you keep putting it off day after day after day, you are deceived. By the way, you better, you better beware and, and, and hope that the Holy Spirit is drawing you and calling you when you want to be saved. Jesus said, no man be saved unless the Holy Spirit draws him. Don't play around with this matter of salvation. It's your eternal destiny that hangs in the balance. Another one is the rich young ruler. He's an example of somebody who is self-righteous that thinks by doing good things that if they live a moral life that they're going to possess salvation. 
Matthew 19 says, The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I? Look at me. Look how good I am. I've got it. It's in the bag. It's a done deal. He thought he was a good person. He never killed anybody. He never committed adultery. He had never stolen anything. He claims that he never told a lie. That's probably a lie. <laughs> but even if he did all those things, he was still deceived because it had nothing to do with the amount of good things and the moral nature that he could produce. If that was the case, Jesus died in vain. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The unbelieving thief, the thief that accepted Christ, said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He gets a lot of the attention. But have we ever thought about the thief on the other side? Have we ever thought about the opportunity that the unbelieving thief had? He had the same opportunity. It says, and one of the, the male factors which was hanged railed on him, saying, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us mocking him as he was dying next to the only person that could save him. I'm sure that he heard the other thief cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. They were both equal distance from Jesus Christ, but they were eternity apart from each other. One man got it, one man didn't. In this crowd today... Some people have it, some people don't. All of you are having equal opportunity this morning at the message of Jesus Christ and that you can have forgiveness of your sins and you don't have to pay for your sins. Jesus already paid for them for you. You can be covered in the blood of Jesus Christ and be forgiven and have eternal life. But some people are going to get it and others aren't. But all had equal opportunity here this morning. And back to King Agrippa. King Agrippa, he's the example of somebody who believes in God, but rejects Jesus Christ. Say, does that even happen? It happens. I run into it on a regular basis. Yesterday, door to door, I think Brother Thomas, he's with the teens over in the McKinney Hall, but yesterday he came back and told me about an encounter he had where, where uh, a guy said, yes, I believe in God. I believe that God created this world. I, I believe in his existence. And I believe in the, the higher power but I don't believe in Jesus Christ. So close yet so far. Right there. Believing in God. I mean, you don't even have to, to battle the ideology and philosophy of evolution and all, and all that garbage. They already believe in a, in a God out there, but they don't believe in Jesus Christ. They miss it. Paul says in verse 27 of chapter 26 here, he says, King Agrippa, thou believest, believest thou the prophets? It was a question, but, he, but Paul answered it for him. He says, I know that thou believest. Agrippa, he believed in the prophets of old. He believed in the message of God, but he didn't want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Belief in God will not save you, but repentance and faith in Jesus Christ will save you. So this morning, are you almost persuaded? Where do you fall in the category? Are you almost persuaded or are you altogether persuaded? If you are almost persuaded, I'd like to know what's holding you back. 
Do you not see what's at stake? Is it your sin? That you love your sin so much that you don't want to give it up? We recently, I had a, I had a teenager that said that. At least he came right out and he admitted it. I like my sin. If people would be more honest like that, it'd probably be a lot more easy giving folks the gospel. Tell you the truth. Is it your sin that's holding you back? You know that you can't hold Jesus in one hand and sin in the other? It's what repentance is. Is it lack of evidence? Because if you say lack of evidence, I'll sit down with you for about an hour or two hours and we can just go over a whole bunch of reasons and a whole bunch of evidence of why the Bible is true. Why Jesus Christ really lived, really died, and really was resurrected. If you are using the excuse, lack of evidence, you come see me after it's over and we'll talk for a while. And we'll get to the place where you actually make a decision. Yes, I'm choosing Jesus or no, I'm not. Is it because of fake, hypocritical Christians? That's a big one. One of the number one answers that you get why people aren't Christians because, oh, there are a lot of Christians and a lot of pastors and preachers are just hypocritical. If we took that philosophy and applied it to every other area of life, we wouldn't do very much. If you apply that, you could never go to a workout gym again <laughs> if you really truly believe that. Gyms are full of hypocrites. Full of them. Don't let a bunch of hypocrites ruin your eternal destiny. Is it family members who are holding you back? Well, if I get saved, you know, my family, they're going to disown me. They're never going to accept me. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm a lunatic. Don't let anything make you go to hell. You say, well, I've been a Christian in a Bible-believing church, and everybody around me, everybody around me thinks I'm saved. Don't go to hell because you're worried about what other people are going to think of you. Eternity is a long time. It is a long time. And it's a long time to suffer because of pride and because of arrogance. Are you almost persuaded or altogether persuaded? Those of you this morning who are Bible-believing Christians, are you sharing the message of the gospel like Paul is sharing the gospel message? Is it your number one priority when you wake up in the morning is that what's on your mind, or is it a bunch of other stuff that really doesn't matter? Do we beg God that God would bring us people and give us opportunities to share the gospel and to plead on the behalf of others for their eternal destiny? How about you this morning? Are you persuaded? Are you sharing the gospel? Let's pray. We're thankful once again, to be able to look at this passage of Scripture, and it's a passage that's been well-tread tr well, um, well over the years, and many preachers have uh, spent hours and hours and hours dissecting this passage and uh, preaching it to congregations and pleading for the souls of men and souls of women. We ask this morning that as the invitation continues on, that, folk, that you would continue to speak to the hearts of people, and if there's one soul in here who is not totally persuaded that your convicting power and convicting presence would just be overwhelming to the place where they have to make a decision, yes or no. Thank you for these few moments. Help us to share the gospel.
with others. It is of utmost importance, our number one priority. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.